This is Educate for Life with Kevin Conover on AM 1170, The Answer. Educate for Life, a look at current events from today's headlines and how they affect you. What you believe shapes your worldview and your ultimate destiny. Learn more now at educateforlife.com. Now, in studio, here is your host, Kevin Conover. Bring your tired and bring your shame. Bring your guilt and bring your pain. Don't you know that's not your name? You will always be much more to me. Welcome to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. We're on AM 1170, The Answer in San Diego, every Sunday from 4 to 5 p.m. You can also stream the show at am1170theanswer.com. My website is educateforlife.org. I have a special guest with us this evening. Um, her, she's going by Liz. That's not actually her real name, but she has been very much involved with helping refugees in the Middle East recently. And with everything that's happening, it's all over the news. It's all over politics. You hear uh, Donald Trump and Ted Cruz and other people all talking about how to handle the refugee crisis. Uh, people are saying we should stop all immigration. Uh, recently, Franklin Graham actually chimed in and said he agreed that we had to put a halt on immigration, specifically uh, Islamic immigration, because uh, there wasn't enough of a vetting process. And yet there's so many people that need help. And so I thought it would be worthwhile to have somebody on who is involved here in Southern California with refugees and also in the Middle East. Liz, I just want to thank you for being on the show tonight. Thank you so much for having me, Kevin. Absolutely. Um, So I thought it would be great to start by uh, just talking about how you got involved with uh, the refugees and what what led you to that uh, involvement and then ultimately why you decided to head over to the Middle East uh, not and not uh, from San Diego. Uh, and you're you're 25 years old. That's that's correct. That's right. OK, so so what how did that process all start? When did you start to get involved in everything? Well, uh, over the last few years, um, really realizing you know, what it means to be a Christian and what it means to follow Jesus and what it means to love people the way that he does. Um, I just, you know, had opportunities here in Southern California to, um, you know, talk to broken people that needed Jesus and needed hope. And, um, and I was involved in a, in an Arabic church here in San Diego, a church of um, Arab Christians that had all immigrated here from different countries, some countries, you know, that had war. Um, and uh, I just fell in love with the culture and the people. And I had the opportunity to go to the Middle East a couple times um, a few years ago and really just I just, my heart just broke for these people and I just saw God's love for them. And, um, I really believe that God gave me his heart for them. And, uh, and the first time I went to the Middle East, I knew I was going to go back and live there. Now, did you go by yourself to the Middle East? I actually went the first time I went on a tour with about 40 other people and we did three countries. We did um, Egypt, Israel and Jordan, and we did a Holy Land tour. Um, And then the second time I got to go back to the Middle East and work specifically with refugees uh, with a group of about I think there were 14 of us. Okay, now when did you go on that first uh, that first trip over to the Middle East? 
That was in uh, 2013. Okay. And so when you were over there and you're, you're going on this tour now, did you go over there with the intention of thinking, okay, I really want to get involved with helping refugees or was this something that developed along the way? Um, you know, it was, it was definitely in the back of my mind that it was a possibility that I would go back, Mm -hmm. um, even before I actually went for that first time. Um, I thought I would, I would, it probably wouldn't be my last time there. Um, but it was definitely something that developed along the way too. just meeting people, getting to build friendships and build relationships with people when I was over there, even though I was only over there for a short time, about two weeks. Um, but yeah. And then just again, being involved in the Arab community here in San Diego too. Um, it, it just grew from there. Now I read, um, you, you had written some details to me over email, and I read that you said you saw God's love for Muslims. And uh, what, what do you mean by that when you say you saw God's love for Muslims? Um, I guess I just saw their brokenness and their need for salvation. And, you know, like us all, we all need... Yeah. We all need someone. We all need a savior. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I just saw a lack, you know, people not going and telling them and people, you know, over there, uh, facing extreme hardships and mm-hmm. not having anywhere to turn. Um, but realizing that, you know, God, God loves these people and Jesus died for, these, this, these people, the Muslim people, just like he died for me and you. Mm-hmm. That's great. Now, um, you know, a lot of people would be very scared to go over to the Middle East and, uh, you know, you're a young girl, uh, 25 years old, a young woman, and you are, you know, taking this challenge head on here. And, uh, you know, I think the the popular stereotype is people are very afraid and not, not for c- completely unreasonable, uh, reasons. Uh, we have recently with what happened in San Bernardino and the the terrorist attack and 14 people died just not too long ago. And uh, recently, L.A. shut down all their schools out of this scare, you know, uh, potential bomb scare and things like this. And everybody seems to be on pins and needles. Um, how do you how are you able to overcome that that fear, uh, you know, traveling to a country like that and, and uh, doing that sort of thing? You know, I think it ultimately all comes down to trusting the Lord. Um, I, I do feel pretty safe, honestly, but, uh, you know, obviously there are times of, you know, I've had, I've definitely had fear in the past, um, even just knowing that, you know, not too far away, you know, ISIS is taking over cities and mm-hmm, these kinds of mm-hmm. things. But, um, you know, I think it it all comes down to the fact that as Christians, we're called to bring the gospel to the ends of the world, no matter what the cost is. And um, I'm sure there were times when there when the apostles were fearful, and ultimately we know they all died for their faith and for the spread of the gospel. But um, really, it's it's about being obedient to the call of Jesus and. Um, and and bringing the gospel to people that have never heard it before and have never ha- and maybe will never have the opportunity to hear it unless yeah. you know people like me don't go over and share. Yeah. 
Now your mom's sitting here in the studio, you know, supporting you here. And, um, how do your, how did your parents respond to, um, to this desire to, to go over to the Middle East and so forth? I think it's definitely been a process for them too. Um, I know, you know, there are definitely moments of maybe a little bit of fearfulness for them. Um, but I think they've just seen the things that God's done in my life. And so they are, they believe that I'm supposed to be out there just as much as I do. Yeah, that's great. Um, so my guest this evening is Liz. She's working with refugees. Liz is actually not her real name. And just for, uh, safety and, and taking extra precautions, just doesn't want to go by her real name. Uh, but what we're talking about is what's happening in our country, how people are responding to the refugee crisis and how a lot of people have said, Hey, listen, uh, we care about you, but you need to stay, uh, you know, in your country, in the middle East and, uh, we just don't have the processes in place in order to make sure that among the, the refugees coming in, there aren't terrorists also. And so we're talking about that and also about how do we reach, uh, how can we best help refugees, people that are in a difficult situation? Uh, they're coming oftentimes with nothing at all, just the clothes on their back. And um, San Diego is a very big uh, we have a, a huge influx of refugees, one of the largest in the country. And so what do we do here to make a difference in the lives of these people that God loves? So stay with us. We're going to be right back and, um, and we'll continue this discussion. What do leading local restaurants have in common? They depend on Express Fix Coffee for new and used coffee and espresso machines, repairs, and affordable monthly service. Dave Martin and his local team provide water filtration services too. Call San Diego's best espresso repair company, serving your home and business. Learn more online at expressfixcoffee.com. Call Express Fix Coffee at 619-867-3853. 619-867-3853. Hi, this is Jason Hall, president of Team Home Loans, a branch of Synergy One Lending. I just want to take this opportunity to thank Kevin Conover for the profound impact he's had on mine and my wife's spiritual life, as well as being an incredible teacher while our kids were his students. His knowledge and passion have taught us all how important it is to be defenders of our faith. It's our honor and privilege to support Kevin and his show. It is our sincere hope and prayer that you will continue to learn to be defenders of your faith through Kevin's radio show and through his Educate for Life teachings. Thank you, Kevin, from the Hall family and Team Home Loans. Add historic American beauty to your home today with genuine Amish furniture. It's built in the USA from solid cherry wood with a bourbon finish. Or choose alternative woods and finishes to accent your home's decor. You'll find it all at Tucker's Valley Furniture. For over 65 years, the Tucker family has served San Diego County. Still family owned. Cash and Carry and Tucker's Valley Furniture. Two stores, both right across the street at Main and Mollison in El Cajon. Learn more at tuckersvalleyfurniture.com. I will cast my cares on you. You're the anchor of my hope, the only one who's in control. Thanks for listening today. This is Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. We're on AM 1170, The Answer in San Diego. You can also stream the show at am1170theanswer.com. My website is educateforlife.org. And you can listen to a recording of this show. 
and previous shows. I actually have several interviews on uh, on my website and also on our YouTube channel uh, where I've interviewed the director of care, the council of, uh, on American Islamic relations. I have a show with him on there. I have another show with, uh, uh, Fahd Masri, who uh, has an outreach to, uh, Muslims and, uh, also interviewed, uh, a recent convert to Christianity from Islam, a woman who, uh, Tatch, who, uh, has a ministry in the Middle East, a TV program actually reaching Muslims. And so there's all kinds of fantastic stuff on there, as well as the classes I teach on Islam, uh, that online classes I teach. So uh, please uh, check out my website if you get a chance, educateforlife.org. My guest this evening is Liz. Before we continue our discussion with her, I just thought I'd share some of these stats on San Diego and refugees. The Office of Refugee Resettlement reports that in fiscal year 2014, the United States accepted 69,986 refugees from different countries ranging from Afghanistan to Zimbabwe. The state of California welcomed 6,108 of these foreign-born newcomers, newcomers including 3,049 from Iraq. Many of these refugees resettle in San Diego County. Uh, in the past year, uh, t- during fiscal years 2010 to 2014, San Diego County welcomed 13,801 refugees, including 10,363 from Iraq. Uh, San Diego County has resettled 1,610 refugees in this past fiscal year. Within the city of San Diego, City Heights is the focal point for refugee resettlement. With a population of approximately 74,000, the neighborhood is comprised of immigrants, 44% of whom are foreign-born. Uh, so the U.S. State Department actually calls, calls City Heights an immigration zone. It's one of six in the county to receive this designation. Uh, so, Liz, in your involvement here in San Diego, um, have uh, based on these stats, I mean, this is a lot of people coming into San Diego. Uh, is that what your experience has been, seeing people in City Heights and and? Uh, what what parts of San Diego are, have you been involved in? Um, I was mostly uh, involved in the communities in East County. Okay. Uh, working with, there's a lot of Arab refugees over there. Um, but yeah, a lot in City Heights as well. Um, but yeah, I was mainly in East County. And what, how are you involved with them? Like what, give me an example of what, what is a month, uh, uh, you know, a week, a month look like as far as being involved and what are they what is it that they're coming here and they're needing? Well, um, my involvement here in San Diego is pretty organic uh, when it started out. So it, I wasn't with any organization or church or anything officially, um, but I just started going to an Arabic church and started making friends and started spending time with with um, the friends that I was making. And, uh, and so just getting involved that way, relationally, um, and so not as much with the, the physical needs, but, you know, friendship is a huge is actually a huge part of what they're missing. A lot of times they're leaving their homes and their families, their communities that they've you know lived in all their lives, generations. Mm-hmm. And they're coming to a completely new place where they don't know anyone and, um, you know, don't Do have they any speak friends. English. Are people speaking English or some of them speak English? Um, the ones that are have been here for a while, a lot of times uh, know English pretty well um, or are learning English. Uh huh. 
And is it difficult to make friends? I mean, are they are, are refugees pretty welcoming as far as that's concerned or? You know, my experience, especially with um, Arab refugees, because that's mainly what I've who I've been working with. And when you with. say Arab, are you are you referencing Muslims or are you referencing a larger uh, makeup? Yeah, this that would include Muslims and Christians from the Arab world. Kill the Chaldeans and so forth. Chaldeans, Assyrians, um, and and then. Um, yeah, there are other Christian groups also in the Middle East. Okay, um, and then and then yeah, of course, Muslims as well. Okay, so uh, you said that people are pretty friendly and open to to yeah building relationships. My experience is that Arabs are some of the most friendly um, people I've ever met. Honestly, just so hospitable. Um, it's it's pretty, you know, I think sometimes we're more intimidated because of our cultural norms. Mm. We don't usually, you know, talk to people we don't know or ask personal questions. But um, one of the neat things about about the Arab culture is that it's completely the opposite. And um, so, you know, striking up a conversation, asking questions is really just totally normal. OK, huh. So. Would you say that uh, now, now when you got involved with the Arab uh, church and so forth, so um, in that, in that regard, you're mainly talking with other Christians. Mm -hmm. Uh, So do you connect a lot with Muslims also here in San Diego, or is that mostly in the Middle East? Um, I would say mostly in the Middle East. However, I mean, there's opportunities every day to connect with a Muslim here in San Diego. And just in the past couple of weeks, me being here in San Diego, home yeah. for the holidays, I've actually just walking down the street in Seaport Village, um, in up in North County, going on a walk with my friend, have come across um, just different Muslim families and uh, started conversations with them and um, just actually even built friendships with them and, and had them connect me with their family that's still in the Middle East and um, neat things like that, invited over to their homes and things like that. Oh, invited over to their homes. Yeah. Hey, uh, what are you having for dinner tonight? <laughs> you know, honestly, th- that's Arab hospitality is so amazing. Yeah. Um, and so actually even on my plane, on my plane ride from the Middle East back to the U.S., I sat next to a woman and um, and she said that I just had to come visit her in her in her home in the Middle East and um, and that she would cook for me and that I should stay with her. And so that's really, you know, totally just the, the Arab hospitality, the Muslim hospitality. That's great. Now, um so would you say if there's somebody listening in they're they're thinking, gosh, I'm feeling a little tug that I'd like to be more involved in that regard and all. Um, what would you say to that person? How would you how would you recommend they the same way you did just start going to an Arabic church and and uh, just start making friends or or, you know, go go to the mall and find the <laughs> find somebody and say, hey, I'd like to come to your house for dinner. What, what's the best strategy here? <laughs> you know, I, I think there's so many different ways to be involved. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I know that there's a lot of people doing things here in San Diego with the refugees. Um, it, but, you know, honestly, going to the mall and 
or walking down the street and, and seeing a Muslim, you know, it's nice because they're easy to identify if they're, you know, a woman that's covered. Um, and honestly, now is, just, it, is it appropriate for a man to talk to a Muslim woman? Good question. So that would not be the most appropriate. So if she's with a man, um, then, you know, if, if you are a gentleman wanting to have a conversation with this family, you would address the man that she's with. Um, if she responds and joins in the conversation, then that's, you know, that would be appropriate. But, um, yeah, a man just wouldn't want to just approach a, a Muslim woman. But um, as a as a woman, um, I love to just, you know, when I see Muslim women on the streets, um, at the beach, you know, at the mall, I love to just go up and just ask, you know, where are you from? How long have you been here? Where do you live? You know, are you here with your family? And and um, just honestly, just ask them questions. And um, it's so easy to to make friends. And um, one of the tools that I've used in the past is, um, you know, if you want to if they don't extend the invite for you to come over and have a meal with them, um, you know, even just saying like, I love Arabic food, but I don't know anyone that cooks Arabic food. Can I try some of your food? And honestly, like they love that. They love You're very being bold. hospitable. You're very bold. I don't know how many people are going to pick up on that strategy and be like, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. Invite myself over for dinner. But see, and that's the thing is our culture, yeah, our culture yeah. isn't like that, but there's totally is. That's so funny. Um, my, my guest tonight is Liz and, uh, she's, she's ministering in the Middle East, uh, but she's here in San Diego for maybe one more day. Right. And then before she takes off yeah. and just giving us some insight on how best to reach out to refugees and uh, specifically Muslim refugees and how to bridge some of those cultural, uh, obstacles or, or divides that we have. So stay with us. We're going to continue this conversation. It's a great conversation. We'll be right back. Before I bring my need, I will bring my heart. Not all home inspections are created equal. Joe DeMars and his team at Housemaster have performed inspections in San Diego for 22 years plus and performed over 10,000 inspections for commercial, multiple family, apartments, and residential. Call before you buy or sell. You'll have confidence knowing the true condition of the property. Call 619-660-7866, sandiego.housemaster.com. Home inspections, done right, guaranteed. 619-660-7866. How can you live in San Diego and miss out on enjoying the water? Fast Lane Kayaking sells popular Hobie Cat kayaks that you pedal, not paddle. That means your hands are left free for fishing and fun. Just throw these on your roof rack. They're light and they're easy to use and maintain. Just rinse them off. Try one free on a demo ride. For 36 years, Ron and Debbie Lane have served San Diego with fun, family-friendly water sports of all kinds. Learn more. FastLaneSailing.com. 619-222-0766. I'm giving it all away. No more hiding. No more stalling. I hear you calling me. And I'm Thanks for tuning in to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. We're on AM 1170, The Answer in San Diego, every Sunday, 4 to 5 p.m. You can also stream the show at am1170theanswer.com. My website, educateforlife.org, is where you can listen to a recording of this show or past shows. 
We have a YouTube channel. Uh, I'd love to, to have you join us on our Facebook page. And uh, I'd love to dialogue with you. If you, if you have questions about the what topic we're covering tonight and you want to talk a little bit more off the air about it, you want to message back and forth, um, I'd love to dialogue with you. So uh, please feel free to contact me. I love to get feedback uh, from what people are hearing on the show. My guest tonight is Liz, not her real name, but she is working with refugees in the Middle East as well as here in San Diego. She's about to take off back to the Middle East. And um, Liz, I wanted to ask you, you know, we were talking about uh, stereotypes and and cultural uh, norms, how you said that Muslims are very open to you kind of inviting yourself over for dinner and they're, they'll meet you and they're immediately uh, looking to be hospitable to you and, and uh, you know, talk and, and have a good conversation, which I found that same thing to be true. Although I haven't invited myself over to dinner yet, but uh, that'll be my next step after this show here. <laughs> but, but um, my question would be, you know, you are right now, you're not revealing your name on the air. So, you know, there's a certain sense of fear in, in like, why, you know, I, I, and for those of you looking on the YouTube channel, uh, I, I purposely have the camera aimed at me, not at, at Liz, um, because she asked uh, for a certain amount of anonymity. And so the question would be, why is that the case? And are the stereotypes that we hear about, uh, you know, that, that we need to be afraid and we hear about the terrorist bombings and we hear about these things. And yet at the same time, you're saying they're so hospitable. And so there's kind of a, this, Hey, wait, what's going on? Uh, what, can you speak to that? Yeah, definitely. That's a great question. Um, you know, obviously we, there are Islamists. We, we know of, uh, Muslim extremists. ISIS is a great example of that and other terrorist organizations. And, um, you know, so there's definitely no denying that. And, and, you know, I, did choose to go by different names and so that, um, you know, just to be on the safe side and, and make sure that, uh, the people that I'm working with are protected and, um, and, and I'm protected doing what I'm doing. Um, and when you say that the people that you're working with are protected, what do you mean by that? Like what, what kind of protection do they need? Um, so in, in the middle East, uh, it is, illegal in most countries to convert from Islam to Christianity. Okay. And so, uh, the people that I'm working with, um, there are, there are people that have decided to follow Jesus. There are other people that are interested in following Jesus. Um, and so, you know, in order to protect them, um, I, you know, I wouldn't, want them to get in trouble. Not, and, and really the fear isn't actually with the governments of most of these countries, um, even though it is illegal, but uh, the fear is with radical um, extremists over their family members and, and those kinds of things that if, um, if they were to find out, then, um, you know, harm could come to, to. So it's people. more about the family members kind of, um, maintaining honor and uh and now the people that you speak to who have decided to follow jesus or are considering that is that something that is is going on in their mind as you're as you know as they're considering and and finding out that you're a christian and so forth yeah absolutely um there's one 
person that I've been working with for a while and uh, for for a while the secret police were actually um, investigating him and interviewing people um, neighbors of his and people that he knows and um, and so you know that is a, a real thing um, Wow that's that's intense so that's somebody that you were actually talking to and and uh, working with. Yeah, that's someone that I was working with. And, and now, you know, it's settled down and it doesn't look like there's there's, there's a, problem. a problem right now, but um, it does happen. Yeah. Now, as far as over here, um, is that an issue over here as well? Or is that not really because we're in American, you know, there's not going to be any secret police following anybody around here? Yeah. I mean, I think over here it's a different story. Um, and there's a you know, that you can be very open, uh, over here, which is actually pretty amazing. And, you know, I actually believe that that's maybe one of the reasons why God has brought so many Muslim refugees over to the United States and other Western countries is because here they actually, well, first of all, they have the opportunity to hear the gospel, which, they probably never had that opportunity in their homeland. And then second, they, they're they allowed to choose what religion they want to be. They're allowed to mm-hmm. choose if they you know, want to follow Jesus without worrying about secret police or, you know, extremists finding out. And so, you know, in my experience, I, I know um, I know several Muslims over here in the United States that have chosen to become Christians after um, hearing the gospel, seeing the love that Christians have for them mm-hmm. here and having the opportunity and the, and being allowed to. Now, yeah, that's interesting to me. So when you over here, so would you say that the majority of Muslims have never, don't really have a comprehension of what it means to be a Christian or to uh, believe in Jesus or follow Jesus or anything like that? Yeah, I would say the majority have no idea. There's a lot of mis or you know mis um, conceived ideas that Muslims have about Christianity. Things that um, they like more their perception of what Christians believe that is you know a lot of times very off. <laughs> so, what might be an example of that? What kind of a thing? Uh, one example is that uh, we we use the term son of God a lot. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's in the Bible. Jesus is the son of God. Sure. Um, in a Muslim understanding, in a Muslim worldview, the term son of God would mean that God, who is holy and perfect and yeah. righteous, would have come down and actually had sexual relations with a woman, with Mary, mm. and had a biological son. Yeah, that's a major, that's Mormonism, not uh, not Christianity. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And for us, I think when we hear that, we're kind of, as Christians, we're like taken aback. Yeah. No, of course, what? you, you know, that? yeah, we would never think yeah. that. But, and, and so they have that same reaction when they hear the term son of God, it's, it's um, blasphemy mm. to them. Mm-hmm. And so even just, you know, explaining that. It's helpful. Okay. So just clarify those things. Now, uh, what about uh, other stereotypes or, or things that aren't true about Muslims? You know, 
we see all the time the sensationalism we you know what what gets most of the airtime is the the terrorist attacks and these sorts of things um but how how would you counsel somebody who's who's afraid of getting involved because you know they they see somebody wearing a a full uh what is the name for it? Hajib or hijab? yeah, um, a hijab is hijab. is yeah. or a burqa. Yeah, burqa. So uh, they're walking through the mall and they see that. And uh, is that something to be afraid of, or is that? You know, I think um, we've all probably experienced, you know, seeing a, a woman that's fully covered, and and maybe we've all kind of thought to ourselves that, you know, I wonder. Yeah. And so I don't, I don't, I wouldn't condemn anyone for, you know, thinking that, but I guess it's just, um, having another perspective in terms of women being covered. You know, I think sometimes it could be that, um, you know, their, their husbands are, are very jealous and don't want any other men to, to look at their wife. But, um, you know, at the same time, I know girls my age that love to cover their head because they um, they it's it's modest. Mm -hmm. It's they're they're saving that for their husband, just like we would save, you know, certain parts of our body, you know, for for our, you know, So it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. So my guest tonight is Liz. That's not her real name, but she's working with refugees both here in San Diego and in the Middle East, and she's given us great insight. Stay with us. We're going to continue this conversation. We'll be right back. When you need tires or service, count on Conover Tires, Wheels, and Service in Oceanside for a full range of affordable options in all the brands you trust. See their great customer reviews and special offers online. Hours Tuesday through Friday, 7.30 to 5.30, and Saturdays, 7.30 to 5. Call Dan and his team at 760-439-1631. Conover Tires, Wheels, and Service, 2405 Oceanside Boulevard in Oceanside, 760-439-1631. Do you have one-button espresso machines in your home or business? They make delicious coffee drinks, but they're not maintenance-free. Express Fix Coffee is San Diego's source for coffee and espresso machine repair, sales, and service. Call Dave Martin at Express Fix Coffee for new and used espresso machines, repairs, parts, and accessories. They'll save you time and money. Call Express Fix Coffee at 619-867-3853. Learn more at ExpressFixCoffee.com. There's got to be more than going back and forth from doing right to doing wrong. Cause we were taught that's who we are. Come Welcome on. to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. We're on AM 1170 The Answer in San Diego. You can stream the show at am1170theanswer.com all over the world. My website is educateforlife.org. You can check us out on Facebook and also on YouTube and Twitter and everywhere else. Uh, we're talking about the refugee crisis tonight. And I have a guest who's working with refugees here in San Diego, as well as in the Middle East. Uh, I got this article off the web uh, just recently, this December uh, 2015 here, about 350 people gathered at Waterfront Park Thursday to show support for the world's refugees, saying they are welcome in San Diego. It says here that 
Uh, I'll just read an excerpt from here. Amid a global debate about refugee resettlement that has intensified in recent weeks following the deadly terrorist attacks, the issue is particularly poignant in San Diego County, where as many as 3,000 refugees are settled each year. The county has consistently admitted the most refugees in California for the past seven years, according to state data. Activists at the event held at Waterfront Park on International Human Rights Day denounced recent hateful rhetoric and discriminatory legislation against refugees. The presence of Syrian refugees has become particularly contentious after the terrorist attacks killed 130 people in Paris in November. Um, It says here, critics say Syrian refugees entering the United States aren't properly vetted. A lot of people have not taken the time to look into the vetting process Um, But it is actually very thorough. About half the county's governors have said they'll refuse to admit or aid Syrian refugees. It is true that we are not going to know a whole lot about the Syrians that come forth in this process. This is that is definitely a challenge. Homeland Security Secretary Jay Johnson recently told a House committee. We know that organizations like ISIL might like to exploit this program. It says uh, they expressed concerns about scrutiny of the religion. Some of the Muslims did. Um, most, uh, uh, and then, you know, we, what happened in San Bernardino last week, uh, it says that the, the couple was radicalized. Local Muslims say these attacks don't depict true Islam. Today, we are hearing the echoes of history and recognize that the Islamic Islamophobic rhetoric could lead us down a hateful and shameful path that is reminiscent of Japanese internment camps and our failure to shelter victims of the Holocaust. You know, what I think is so interesting about all this is that the best way to prevent the radicalization of Islam uh, of Muslims is through reaching out in love and uh, answering with the love of God and the love of Christ and, and getting involved. And my guest Liz here, that's exactly what she's doing. She's been a part of an Arabic church for a long time. Uh, she's over in the middle East and uh, on a regular basis has conversations with uh, just Muslims in the mall or wherever she's at. And, um, would you agree that the the best method of, you know, ensuring that we don't face these terrorist attacks like what happened in San Bernardino or, or Paris or wherever else is to get involved in, and make that difference? Absolutely. You know, I think there's there's always a risk, but I think that it's the Bible is pretty clear that that risk is worth it and um, that it's actually this is what God commands us to do is to care for the poor and the needy. And, um, and this is just an, an amazing opportunity for the church. That's really how I see this as a, a, an incredible opportunity for the church in America to, um, show these people the love of Jesus. Now, some people might be thinking, uh, Liz, they might be thinking I'm unequipped. I don't, I don't know Arabic. I don't know much about Islam. I don't know their cultural norms. Um, what would you say to somebody who's, who's, uh, says, you know, I, I'm just not prepared for that sort of a thing. I would say that it's pretty easy to get prepared with the internet. Um, you know, there's lots of information, but you know, sometimes the more knowledge we have actually, the harder it is. Um, so, you know, I think God's grace covers it. You know, if our hearts are to, um, to be obedient to God and love him and love people, um, you know, when we're loving someone, they're going to see the love of Jesus, even if we don't have the right words, even if we make mistakes, which I've made so many of the of so many mistakes, so many cultural th- mistakes. And, and it's what OK. Kind of, what kind of mistakes have you made? Um, I think it's it's really just um, like I said, had said before, they're so hospitable. And yeah. so I've just 
<laughs> just made mistakes and not being hospitable enough. And, hospitable and, back. Yeah. Yeah. And in my mind, it was just hey, normal. Why didn't, why didn't you invite me over to your house? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But in, in my mind, it was completely normal. Yeah. But I have actually done things that have been completely rude yeah. in, in their culture. So, yeah. But but uh, were you surprised at the response that uh, some of the Muslims gave you in, in how friendly and receptive they were to what you had to say? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, the the neat thing about the Arab culture in particular is that, um, you know, the things that we would never bring up in a social setting, politics and religion are the things that they talk about in a normal conversation. So (laughs) what's neat is that they're so open to talking about religion and talking about Jesus there. They actually love Jesus and respect Jesus as a prophet. Um, actually in Islam, um, you're required to believe that Jesus is, is a prophet to be a Muslim. Yeah. Yeah. I was blown away when I first started, started studying Islam that, uh, Jesus is actually mentioned more often in the Quran than Muhammad is which I was like, whoa, yeah. what in the world? <laughs> yeah. And uh, now did you have to, you know, when you went over to the Middle East and so forth, did you have to study Islam, uh, Arabic? Did you have to go through a process in order to be trained to, to be able to uh, reach refugees better? Or You know, honestly, I think a lot of my study was kind of just my own personal research, you know, what do Muslims believe? And there's still so many things that I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many, yeah, so many cultural things, religious things that, that I still don't know. But, um, like I said, you know, God's grace covers it and, you know, I'm never going to know everything. Mm-hmm. You know, we're never going to always, if we're always waiting till, till we're good enough, it's kind of like, you know, it's that carrot on the end of the stick. You just never get there. Exactly. Yeah, Absolutely. Now, um, why, uh, is it easier? Would you say it's easier for you as a woman to be involved in, uh, this sort of ministry than it would be for a man? Or is that, is that not the case? I, I don't think that's the case. Um, you know, I mean, I, I think men and women have very separate, uh, lives i guess in the arab world and in the muslim world i visited a mosque and uh, they separated the men and the women to different places and yeah a lot of times eating meals the men and women will sit separately conversations usually men talk to men women talk to women but um so you know I, i i think that you know, whether you're a man or a woman, there are men and women that, that, that you we can, can find to, to so talk to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I was at Balboa Park over the weekend um, and there was a Muslim gentleman uh, at the table passing out literature on Allah and all. So, yeah, definitely. And and I was down at the beach just a little while ago. I go down to the beach, Pacific Beach, and um, share the gospel once a month. We go down there, a group of us, and there were I, I got to talk to two Muslim girls who were down there. Now they weren't wearing the burqas or anything. I would never have known that they were Muslim except that they had really strong ac- accents. They were from Uzbekistan. Um, but it was interesting because in the conversation I started, I found that they actually didn't know much about Islam. They didn't know much about Christianity, but they didn't know much about Islam either. One of the girls actually said to me, yeah, I believe everything. And is that common that, uh, 
some Muslims don't know a lot about what their own Quran teaches? Yeah, absolutely. It's very common. Um, you know, especially uh, in the Arab world, you're born into your religion. And even, even you know, here, if, if your family is Muslim, you're born a Muslim. And so, um, you know, a lot of times it, it, that doesn't say anything about their religious commitment. They maybe never go to the mosque and pray, or maybe if they do, they still don't necessarily know what the Quran um, teaches or says. Um, you know, a lot of times there's, uh, even, you know, more devout uh, Muslims will listen to um, different parts of the Quran, but there's huge parts of the Quran that they've never heard or never read before. So, um, yeah, you know, it, it kind of just depends on every person, but there, there are a lot of uh, Muslims that I've met that um, really you know, don't, they're, they were just born, born a Muslim. It's, it's a cultural identity. Wow. Okay. That's, that's very informative. My guest tonight is Liz and she is working with refugees uh, in the Middle East and also here in San Diego. We have one more segment left. Stay with us. We're going to finish up with some ways you can get involved if you'd like to. Hi, this is Jason Hall, president of Team Home Loans, a branch of Synergy One Lending. I just want to take this opportunity to thank Kevin Conover for the profound impact he's had on mine and my wife's spiritual life, as well as being an incredible teacher while our kids were his students. His knowledge and passion have taught us all how important it is to be defenders of our faith. It's our honor and privilege to support Kevin and his show. It is our sincere hope and prayer that you will continue to learn to be defenders of your faith through Kevin's radio show and through his Educate for Life teaching. Thank you, Kevin, from the Hall family and Team Home Loans. In 1947, Gordon Tucker began serving San Diego County families. Today, the family tradition continues with two stores, Tucker's Valley Furniture and Cash and Carry, both right across the street in El Cajon at Maine and Mollison. Whether you want today's modern, eco-friendly furniture or authentic Amish furniture from solid cherry wood built in America, let the Tucker family serve your family. Learn more at tuckersvalleyfurniture.com. A proud sponsor of Educate for Life with Kevin Conover. I will Welcome to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. We're on AM 1170, The Answer in San Diego. You can stream the show all over the world at am1170theanswer.com. My website is educateforlife.org. And my guest tonight is Liz. And uh, she is working with refugees here in San Diego. And Liz, you're about to, when do you leave back to the Middle East? Tomorrow. Oh, wow. Caught you just in time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, how long are you going to be there? Um, hopefully a while. Um, I don't have a, a trip planned back to the States yet. So. Oh, wow. Now, uh, so who do you stay with when you're over there? I have an apartment with a friend of mine. Okay. Yeah, it's a cute little two bedroom. Uh huh. Apartment. Now, are you near? Uh, are you near a local church, or or how does that work out? Do you work within uh, a larger community that's reaching refugees, or how does that work? Um, you know, I have some some partners on the ground that have you know worked with different organizations, different NGOs, um, different churches. 
uh, it all kind of happened organically, though, really just meeting uh, meeting some families and those families introduce you to their cousins and their sisters and brothers and their neighbors. And now these are Muslims or Christians. These or? are Christian okay. Syrian refugees. Okay. Now, so where you're at, there's a lot of Syrian refugees coming in mm-hmm. and practically speaking, what you're doing is building relationships with them. Is that what's happening? Yep. Building relationships and helping them with you know, practical needs and. Okay. Okay. So just being there for them. Yeah. And then, um, I know that there are, I've, I've heard, uh, several different organizations that are, uh, helping people. Uh, there's open the gates.com building bridges.com. These are some of the other websites I know about. There's, um, there is, uh, the Crescent project, which is a, a great organization. And, um, now, Karina, uh, who's on air here uh, with us in the studio, uh, Karina, can you tell us, you founded uh, a group. What, what is your group's called? Um, the name of our group is called the Hope Collective. It's an official 501c3 nonprofit. Okay. And that is specifically to help refugees. Is that right? Yes. It's, um, it started off um, with a need to uh, help the refugees, but we're actually dedicated to helping marginalized and impoverished community, communities all around the world. Okay. That's fantastic. And, and what is the, what, how do you do that? How do you? So, um, I've actually been to the Middle East quite a few times myself. And, um, after just going out there and seeing the news and hearing all the stories about what's going on with the refugees and just, um, wanting to be involved, um, I just noticed that a lot of the efforts were, um, towards relief and nothing towards sustainability. Um, mm. I mean, we call them refugees, but they actually have no idea when they're going home. What's the difference between relief and sustainability? Well, relief, it has some connotation of a, a, um, a temporary um, kind of time period. And um, whereas sustainability is moving towards um, longer term, mm. longer term solutions, it's um, a hand up instead of a hand out. And so that's um, really what we saw um, an opportunity there to help the CGs in this um, in this tangible way of empowering them um, through um, entrepreneurship, micro business and education. OK, that's great. And uh, are you finding positive results in what you're doing, your, your efforts? We're finding lots of positive results here in uh, San Diego and also in the Middle East. Um, in the Middle East, it's just opened up lots of um, great relationships over there and um, helping people to feel empowered and to find their dignity again. Versus uh, begging, basically. That's correct. Um, I mean, they feel empowered. Again, they've restored their dignity. Dignity. A lot of them are actually professionals. When you think of refugees, you think of um, people who are come from impoverished backgrounds. But these are actually business professionals. They've been edu- highly educated. And they're doctors, they're lawyers, they're business owners. And for them to co- go to a country where it's illegal for them to work and not really um, feel that value again, it's, mm. um, it's we're just giving them that tangible opportunity to support their families and for also their children to be educated. Now, what's your website? It's thehopecode.org. The Hope Code? The Hope Co. Um, oh, sorry. Excuse me. The Hope Co. C-O. C-O dot org. Yes. Or you can just Google the Hope Collective. Okay. And if somebody wants to get involved, because I'm sure there's a lot of people listening who would like to make a difference in that regard, how can they get involved with what you're doing or how can they uh, support what you're doing? Um, There's different ways to get involved. Um, We're always looking for volunteers. We're looking for financial contributions and um, 100% actually goes back to the refugees. Uh, None of the people involved with this project actually donation. Everybody's volunteers. Volunteers. Wow. Um, We just have a heart to serve the refugees. 
And um, also there's a way to actually um, buy some items that are handmade by the refugees. That's great. Okay. And that's all on the website if they, if they need that. Yes, it's on the website. Okay. That's the Hope Collective. And their whole goal is to help refugees uh, become uh, self-sustaining uh, beyond relief. So um, anybody who's listening and if you feel a tug on your heart, um, I encourage you to get involved and visit their website, hopeco.org. Hope Collective. And uh, thank you, Karina, for sharing that. And then, um, Liz, I wanted to ask you, I know we, we're, we're kind of being kind of uh, discreet here about your name and your involvement just for uh, security you know, and safety, but uh, is there a way, if somebody wanted to support what you're doing, uh, would there, is there a way t- for us to support you, uh, I don't know, through some other channel or, or somehow? Yeah, actually, um, I you know, live and do what I do in the Middle East, all based on donations. Um, and so, uh, visiting the radio's website, Mm -hmm. um, you can find out more information on how to give to, uh, what I'm doing in, um, in the Middle East and, and that'll help my ministry and that's great. So those of you who are listening out there and, and you're hearing what Liz is doing and how she's, uh, uh, you know, brave enough to invite herself over to people's houses for dinner and also to travel all the way to the Middle East and make a difference like that. And you feel like, Hey, you know, that's not something I'm bold enough to do, but I'd love to support her. Uh, please feel free to contact me directly at educateforlife.org. I'll pass on, um, any support, uh, to her and, uh, love to give you more information as, uh, it's available to support what she's doing. Because I think, you know, personally, this this is just a fantastic need uh, here in San Diego. I applaud you for what you're doing in the Middle East. I'm, so um, any uh, any other things that you'd like to share with us? Any any uh, anything on your mind as we wrap up the show here? We've got about a minute and a half left here. Any any final thoughts? You know, I just um, it's just really been on my heart uh, before coming to back to the States for the holidays, um, just an opportunity, like I said before, that this is to have these Muslim families who have never had the opportunity to hear about Jesus and um, hear the gospel. And even if they did, you know, not being able to choose their religion, it's, it's an amazing opportunity for us as Christians, as believers, as followers of Jesus to just love these people that are coming over here. They're, they're, you know, fleeing war, they're traumatized. They've experienced horrific things beyond anything we can ever imagine. And, um, and they're coming over here and we have the opportunity to offer them healing and hope and purpose and love, Mm. um, things that are foreign to them, uh, because of the situation that they're coming from. And so, you know, I, my encouragement is just to, um, to find opportunities to, to love people and to show, you know, the love of Jesus to these families that are coming over here. Thank you for listening tonight. Uh, my guest has been Liz and, uh, Karina from the hope collective, uh, Liz is uh, uh, ref- helping refugees here in San Diego and also in the Middle East. I just uh, hope that you pray for them and uh, just uh, encourage them. And if you can donate financially to support them, I think that'd be fantastic. Thanks for being with us. We'll be uh, back next week, Sunday, 4 to 5 p.m., AM 1170, The Answer. 
Educate for Life with Kevin Conover, a regular feature on AM 1170, The Answer. Learn more about Kevin and his work online at his website, educateforlife.com. That's educateforlife.com. You'll find great resources, ideas, and even video classes there to help you grow and understand what in the world is happening. Encourage your friends to listen for great guests and intelligent analysis of the stories that shape our lives. Educate for Life with Kevin Conover, exclusively on AM 1170, The Answer. Bring your tired and bring your shame. Bring your guilt and bring your pain. Don't you know that's not your name? You will always be. 